Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts and other platforms. Here on the New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other scientists, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Vincent Miranda. Thanks for joining me today. It is so good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. A good friend and a good colleague of mine, an intelligent young person, Vincent Miranda graduated valedictorian in 2017 from Northwood High School in Napanee, Indiana. Vincent Miranda graduated in the spring of 2021 from Taylor University, and he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in biochemistry. He is currently enrolled in Indiana University School of Medicine, and I'm sure he will do well, and I wish him all the best. Please welcome Vincent Miranda. Thanks, Vincent, for joining me today. It is so good to have you as a guest today um, on this podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, me and Vincent go way back. We go all the way back to 2018. Is that is that, is that right? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, well, I was just a, a fresh chemistry student. Yeah. Didn't know up and down. Yeah, didn't know up and down, but he knew his way around the lab. So I would say a really good friend of mine, a close friend of mine, and a really intelligent uh, young person. Um, so what have been your longstanding interests in the field of science? I think just starting from mainly in high school when I really took a took an interest to science and um, the different fields of science I have always wanted to use my knowledge and what I've learned just to help others Um, you know I think everyone kind of has their niche where they just feel comfortable and for me that's been the field of science and so to be able to use that to be able to use what I learn and what I know um, to then impact others in a positive way that's kind of been um, one thing I've really tried to do okay so so you're interested from also from your career profile I could see you're interested in the translational aspect of science as it pertains to science impacting society is that correct yep yep I would say so yeah that's good so along that line in what way would you say have you added a creative flair to the science that you did at Taylor University? I think that the science I did at Taylor University, you know, it's it's not a very big field or not a very big major at Taylor. So mm-hmm. um, I think just being able to take people from different areas, like for example, myself, I was able to play uh, basketball at Taylor and and study biochemistry as well so being able to bring that what i learned from sports and that team atmosphere that um kind of working together working through our adversity and really turn it and kind of change it into what i do in the in the field of science as well so for example in the lab something goes wrong and you know you got some options you can either just quit or you can try to figure out a new solution i think that athletic background really helped me kind of push through different adversity that came up in the field of science yeah that's good that you mentioned that because you know many times i think many times in my from my personal experience 
it seems as if uh, athletics and academics are like two different spheres that people rarely uh, show that they coincide. But I think if we were to take the discipline that we uh, taught and perpetuated in the field of athletics and translate that into science and show that the same way how person X can be great in basketball through being disciplined and dedicated from a very early age. So likewise, you can be great in science if you're disciplined, dedicated, and you coincide with your skills and passion um, from an early age. Um, you work hard, so you can be great. But um, along that line, um, how do you maintain view on the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? When you encounter challenges, everyone has encountered challenges um, at some point in their academic career. When you encounter challenges, how do you maintain view of the bigger picture? I think for me, it's it's just taking it day by day, um, especially for for what I want to get into. You can really get caught up in very future focus and what's coming next and how do I prepare for this and am I ready for that? Um, I think that can really just cause trouble in, in the present um, if you're looking so much toward the future that you forget what you're doing now. So one of the things I like to do is just make sure I'm not looking too far ahead and just going day by day and um, making things into smaller, more manageable tasks as opposed to things that seem unmanageable and huge. Uh, and then in addition to that, I think being able to have the, the correct priorities, just knowing where my career, where academics fits into my life in general. Um, and there are things that are more important than that, even though academics is very important to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So um, would you say that your perspective or your stance of taking it in like day by day or in granularity so I'm looking at the particulars of that, partic- of that specific day um, it's really confident your success thus far yeah I would say so um, like I said just it just keeps me grounded and um, keeps me from getting discouraged by looking at things that may seem impossible to, to accomplish all mm-hmm. in one swoop so breaking it up into those smaller things I think helps me stay encouraged yeah, that's good that's good you know john maxwell said while others simply go through life i will grow through it that's my choice and i will surrender it to no one so yeah we do have agency and we do have the capacity to choose and like you said you chose or you choose daily to take things one step at a time and i think that compliments you know when you break a large path down into small 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 parts it makes it more feasible Able to, I also make it more manageable in terms of I'm not dealing with this huge goal that I must achieve in this one instance. But um, at the same time, you so just a snapshot of your career. You started off at Taylor University, a very good, um, I would say, high-ranking Christian university um, that has a really strong chemistry department. You started off there, you did basketball, and now you've matriculated. You've got into Indiana University Medical School, which is a very top-notch medical school. Um, what would you say, or how did you seek and find the right environment for you to thrive? Because obviously, you thought you were thriving at Taylor, and that complimented you of being able to get admitted into Indiana University. So, how did you thrive, and how did you find that environment to thrive? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is just the face-to-face personal interaction I can have with my professors the people above me and just so I can learn that's how I learn best I think is in that face-to-face contact 
that small group structure or the one-on-one -on -one time with the professor. So being at Taylor um, in a department that I think we had eight or nine students in my graduating class in the chemistry department, mm -hmm. it was a tight-knit group and I could walk into any of my professor's offices pretty much at any time and be able to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with something I'm not understanding or even something totally different. So being able to have that small class size and that um, family atmosphere, I think really helped me thrive. And which is another reason why I think it'll be beneficial that I'm at actually at the South Bend campus for IU School of Medicine and okay. not in Indianapolis or Bloomington. Cause again, it's that smaller, we have 30 students in our class. And so I'm gonna be able to have that, that small class size and that um, personal interaction again, I believe. That's good, and I hope I hope and I hope that is the case for you. Hope and pray that is the case for you. So, um, given that you uh, have a lot of responsibilities, you're a married man, preparing for med school, all this other good stuff, and you have accomplished several things, how do you maintain balance, Vincent? Are you balanced, Vincent? Would you say that you are striving to be balanced? I think so. I'm definitely striving to be balanced, and. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, sometimes you might get a little off balance, but I don't think that's that's anything too abnormal. Yeah. Um, so just, that's another thing where I think basketball has really helped me because in, in college and even before that in high school, I really had to work at, you know, balancing my schedule, managing my time, making sure that school got done and that I was giving my best effort on the, um, on the athletic field or court. So just kind of, using that time management skill and things like that to make sure you have the right balance and stay grounded. And that's another thing too, just having good friends, good family that they're, they'll tell you when you're, when you're out of line, when your priorities aren't straight. And so having that support system has been huge for me, my family, my wife now, and all my great friends like you, David, just making sure that I'm, I'm kind of on the right path and, and going in the right direction. Yeah, man, you're a good friend of mine as well. And I think one of the things that complements to understanding balance is that balance is not, I've spoken to many people about, 30 different people about the same concept. Uh, balance is not, that doesn't make me an expert in it, by the way. It makes me someone who can discuss it. So balance is not a static uh, stance or an instance. Balance is dynamic. Just like resilience, just like mental health. All those things incorporate, you know, addressing the stresses that you face, finding a way to manage and adjust to them, and then proceeding forward with your life. So, you know, Frederick Flack said that the most encouraging observation I've made over the years is resilience or what you want, whatever you want to call it. Balance is a strength most of us can develop with thought and practice. So, you know, those things, um, of course I summarize his words, but those things, they require thought, they require practice, and they require uh, progress through time. So it's not something that you achieve in one instance. So yeah, I agree with you. So I would say in many regards, you have been successful as a student in the field. What has complemented to your success thus far? And what do you think will complement to your success in medical school? Is it a personality thing? Is it a skill set thing? Is it a knowledge and acumen thing? What would you say is that factor? Of course, mm -hmm. both of you and I being people of faith, we attribute our success to uh, who we believe in. But um, what would you say is the factor when it comes to your practical, physical, day-to-day -day life as confidence to your success? 
Yeah, I think um, the personality I've been able to develop just from my life experiences, uh, being the youngest of, of three boys and then uh, being in athletics all growing up and then just the support system I have from my family. Um, all those things kind of mold, molded me into who I am today, someone who's you know, willing to take chances, willing to have those hard conversations and, and push through adversity. Um, and then just being able to, I think one thing that that'll help me going forward, you know, there's a lot of people maybe that are in the sense of book smart, much smarter than I am. But I feel like with the experience that I've had, the jobs I've been able to work, the shadowing opportunities I've had, I've been able to kind of witness and see what it takes to be successful in the field of medicine. And so all those different things, I think, have, have set me up pretty well for uh, going forward in this field. So, yeah. So another thing that I've heard you mention um, as I've interviewed them is the use of Anki, the use of Sketchy, mm. the use of Picmonic. All those are platforms and software uh, that allow for reinforcing your learning in medical school. So mm-hmm. how have you maintained vision and teamwork in your environment? while at Taylor and um, even in your personal life, how do you maintain vision and teamwork? I think kind of sometimes you have to really stop and, and swallow your pride because being in being a good student and, you know, sometimes things do go your way. And at those moments, you can't let, you can't get too proud and think that you can do this all on your own. And I don't need God, I don't need any other people around me. I'm doing this all on my own. And whenever you start to teeter to the to that thought process, I think it's when, like I said before, you have a good support system that says, "Wait a second, you didn't get here all on your own." You know, you you have a good support system with you, and you don't want to ruin that. Um, and just making sure that you're you're not too proud to ask for help sometimes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like I heard, I was interviewing an administrator at Georgia Tech and he made the comment, his concern is not about being right. He just wants to make sure that he gets it right. Mm-hmm. He wants to make sure he's in the right position. He's achieved the right goal. He has got, uh, achieved the thing that's needful at the time. So why did you choose biochemistry? Be more specific. Why did you choose biochemistry as a field to major in Vincent? What complemented that decision for undergrad? I think... For me, so it kind of starts back to when I was in high school. Really, I had a great chemistry teacher and really enjoyed learning about the sciences. And um, then after that, I was able to shadow or I had an internship at a hospital my senior year of high school and kind of got to see the different parts of medicine. So I was thinking, you know, where, what can I do? Where can I go to integrate this? chemistry these sciences that i love so much as well as the field of medicine that i love so much and so then that's kind of when i settled on on biochemistry as opposed to a biology major which a lot of pre-med students are or just a chemistry straight up so i really thought that by doing biochemistry i could integrate those things that i love um, respectively and and kind of go from there okay that's good so why medicine I'm sure you got this question before, so I like to say, hey, yeah. Why is yeah, this so medicine? Why medicine? I think uh, one of the the big things that kind of led me into medicine was just some experiences I had when I was younger. I was uh, able to see my my grandfather kind of 
go through the digression of uh, dementia when, when I was probably eight or nine. And so that was kind of one of the first things that really interested me in medicine. Obviously, at the time, I was mourning and um, it wasn't easy for my family to, to watch that happen. But looking back on it, I think that's one thing that maybe even subconsciously really triggered me to have an inkling towards the field of medicine. And then, like I said, the I knew I had a, a kind of an idea that I wanted to go into medicine. I thought maybe in high school, maybe I'd go work in a lab, something to do with chemistry. And then I had that internship where I was able to, I was able to see, spend some time in the operating room, in the emergency room, uh, radiology, all different aspects of the hospital. And at that point, it kind of solidified. Yeah, this is this is something I'd like to do. I'd like to use what I know about chemistry and science and uh, use it in this field of medicine to then help people. Yeah, I agree. So. What specialty is your, are you leaning towards? If you, had, if you were able to pick one today, you had finished medical school and you developed our community with a skilled medical student that you will be, hopefully in mm-hmm. Um What specialty would you choose today? I'm just curious. Yeah, I think if I, if I had to choose something today, you know, I'm really open into whatever, when I go through my patients, sparks my interest. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick something now, I think I would pick neurology. Just on the fact that I really am infatuated with the brain and how complex it is and everything that's going on there. Um, I actually started out at Taylor with a psych minor, but then dropped that because I wasn't able to. It was just going to be a a workload I wasn't willing to commit to adding that minor. So then I, but I did, I was able to take some psychology classes and again, it just, blew my mind just the complexity of the human brain and um, how there's so many things that we don't know about it and so many diseases that right now don't have any cures or anything like that and, um, I think it's a field that that is there's a high supply or high demand and I'm hoping I can um, help with my future colleagues to meet that demand that's fair that's fair it's good that it worked out eh yeah, <laughs> work, work together for good. Roman Yeah, yep. But um, do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field that you're currently studying in? Uh, I would that you're about to embark in on the, the field that you studied in. Yeah. Yeah, I would say just get as much real world experience as possible um, to really know because you don't, you don't know. You may have an idea, you think, oh yeah, I like this, this sounds interesting. But until you really kind of get your hands dirty and, and have that experience, for me it was like I, I interned at the hospital and then a couple years later I worked as a nursing assistant at that same hospital. And so that aspect of it, you know, you see, you're able to see the, the almost the bottom of the totem pole in the medical field on your way to hopefully one day the top of the totem pole as a, as a doctor. But really, it's kind of wrong, I guess I would say, to see it as a totem pole. I think it's a more... Um, progression. A progression, yeah. It's it's people all working together. You know, you need everyone on board from the, the nursing assistants all the way to the top physicians. You need everybody on board thinking the same way, using that teamwork to do what's ultimately best for the patient. And so then I did that and this past year or so I've been able to work at um, our county jail in the medical department 
to be able to have that experience. And I think all these different experiences and just being thrown into the into the fire um, in the medical field has really solidified my passion for medicine. And um, so I would say people coming in thinking they might want to do medicine, just put yourself in, in the shoes of a medical professional and really give it a try. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So um, what has been some of the most beneficial advice that you have received? Some of the most beneficial advice you have received to date? I think that one thing for me, uh, I was able to shadow a doctor or a physician here and around my hometown. And what he said to me was that the, the process of um, taking the MCAD and preparing for medical school things like that that's the hard part once you get in you know you're a good student you're obviously a good student if you got in so you can kind of breathe uh, or take a breath of relief when that happens Um, so just making sure that you're not getting overwhelmed you're not getting too anxious or worked up for the school and just kind of like I said before taking it day by day yeah that's fair that's fair that's very good um, anyway, Vincent, thanks so much for joining me today. It was definitely a pleasure to have you on as a guest and a good friend of mine. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is The New Chemist, where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I. My name is Jason. Time and chance happened to us all. After working as an undergraduate and receiving a fellowship for graduate school, this is timely and an example of paying it forward for others to benefit. Remember the concepts. Use the accessible organic chemistry guidebook on Apple Books and Barnes and Noble and use different methods for healthy positive reinforcement. It is true that repetition and practice helps reinforce the concepts. You can do it with the capability and a hopeful realistic outlook. Hey everyone, my name is Lebron, and this conversation is dedicated to the tens of people who have helped and inspired me, specifically my parents, my brother, my sister, and those teachers in university and high school who helped make science accessible to me. Organic chemistry is a subject that requires effort, focus, and skill. These foundations have been selected after guided review and observation as to what concepts facilitate and support a good understanding as a student progresses through this discipline in chemistry. These foundations from the moiety to the metallics highlight with conceptual focus key ideas, points, and memory aids to support your success in organic chemistry. Learning organic chemistry is similar to building a house. 
It takes time, skill, and persistent efforts. Let's begin. Let's begin this conversation. What are our goals and what learning habits do we need to develop to learn this material well? Well, some things to want to know are 1. The keywords. 2. The key ideas and relevance of structures which we call Lewis dot structures. 3. As well as understand some simplified quantum mechanical concepts. Jason. So what are organic molecules? Well, dude, organic molecules can be understood as multiple atoms associated together, made primarily from carbon. In short, organic molecules are carbon-based molecules. Yo dude, we can draw them in many ways and if we keep the same molecular formula, then those multiple versions are what we call isomers. These molecules may or may not have the same molecular formula. In cases where the molecular formula is the same but the structure is not the same we have what is called structural isomers. The constitution or connectivity is not the same, we have what is called constitutional isomers. And if the arrangement in 3D space is not the same, we have what is called stereoisomers. I have heard of stereoisomers especially when my friends talk about medicines. Something about some R and S anyways are there subclasses of stereoisomers. Yeah, there are optical isomers which are molecules that rotate light differently and their mirror images are what we call non-superposable which is a fancy way of saying when they are placed on top of each other like a pair of someone's hands, they don't match up perfectly. And bro as you were talking about, enantiomers are normally designated by RRS which stands for rectus or sinister. While this is cool, so are there other types of stereoisomers? Lebron. Yeah also there are geometric isomers which are molecules that have non-identical mirror images. Yeah dude it's like you looked in a mirror, but saw something that not the same as yourself. Added to that in chemistry we have double bonds and the way the atoms are arranged around the double bond. It is different for each isomers. We again in our fancy organic chemistry language call that either cis or trans. Hold on. Hold on wait can organic molecules can be linear. Lebron, let me get my model kit since it helps with this. If you have used your kit or gumdrops and toothpicks to build carbon dioxide, one flavor for carbon and one flavor for oxygen. So two oxygens and one carbon, the molecule is linear. Well, but the other linear molecules are triple bonded one named acetylene. Let's keep using the gumdrops. We can have the atoms all in a plane, but like a triangle or we say, trigonal. Okay, tell me more. Molecules such as formaldehyde is trigonal planar, and this compound is used in clinical settings. I think I understand. Molecules can have arrangements in 3D space such as methane, which is found in natural gas, and exists as a tetrahedral molecule. Correct, let's keep the cognitive train running. You can also at home practice with computer software such as ChemDraw or Word. So what the importance of the structure of 3D molecules? So let me tell a story. A long time back, there was this guy named Gilbert Lewis. He did a lot of hard work that we use today to note the positions of particles we call electrons. Other smart guys such as Gillipsy and Nihom also did significant work which gave us the set of ideas we call VSEPR. Say what? Lebron, just hold on a minute. Let's get some more gumdrops. Yeah, let me grab my flashcards and my computer to make my Anki deck. Active recall, let's go. Haha, uh -huh. good job. As I was saying, the structure of 3D molecules can be seen using good Lewis dot structures. And we call the combo of Lewis and other scientist ideas, VSEPR, which helps us predict or have an idea before experiments, what the likely structure of the molecule can be. However, watch out these ideas are not perfect. We talk later about this, but some bond angles are slightly different than expected, and we have to adjust our ideas with some quantum theory. Okay, cool. Let me recap before we move on. 1. Some keyword are molecules which is basically a fancy way of saying substances made of multiple atoms. Compounds which has multiple atoms which are different. Isomers which are like the science version of family. 
We are basically the same, but there is some difference. What did I forget? You forgot the skill that needs gumdrops, the SEPR. Oh yeah, that is the theory that allows us to have a possible idea of what the molecule's structure in 3D is, right? Correct. Also remember electrons are what we want to keep as far as possible. Since our buddy Coulomb taught us, like repel and opposites attract, Lebron. Also there is the mixing of orbital flavors which we call hybridization, a mathematical mixing, and depending on the shape we see a different combo or orbitals, linear sp, trigonal planar sp2, tetrahedral sp3, and other shapes you can check on internet. Just keep the basic idea in mind, which is geometry and orbitals are related. Some homework for you today. Questions. 1. What is organic chemistry and what is the historical origin of it? 2. What is one class of organic compounds? 3. What are three different types of isomers? 4. Explain the valence bond theory in general simple terms. 5. What is one molecular example where valence bond theory does not accurately explain what occurs in molecules? 6. What are the hybridization of the carbon atoms in acetonitrile? 7. What are the designations of sigma and pi for the bonds in acetonitrile?